0: Hello and welcome to the Sincere Yogi Podcast, a podcast for yogis just like you who are seeking more from their yoga practice that you can't get in your average studio class. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host. yogis and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host. Today we're going to be talking all things tapas. And no, I'm not talking about the tiny Spanish dishes that are really appetizers posing as full course meals. I'm talking about tapas as in the third niyama of the yoga practice, meaning austerity or discipline. There's so much to be said on the topic of tapas, not just the discipline aspect of tapas, but the alchemaic process that tapas or discipline brings through a consistent yoga practice. I love the topic of tapas for a handful of reasons, but of course, I really enjoy the topic of tapas in relation to asana practice, so we're going to get into all of that in this episode and more. Tapas is a niyama, so it is a mental observance, but it can sometimes feel more or less like a yama in the sense that it feels like an obligation or an action. And that's because discipline often drives us to take action, even when we don't always necessarily want to. Now, discipline is not just an action, though, especially when we talk about or the niyama, the observance of discipline, because it's through the action of discipline that we can start to observe what discipline does to our mental, physical, and spiritual well-being over time within our yoga practice. Literally everything we've talked about up until this point has all required some type of discipline in order to actually practice these concepts. All of these philosophies require some type of accountability in order to incorporate them into your daily life and within your yoga practice, both on and off your yoga mat. But going beyond the action of discipline, beyond that sort of commitment to action with these practices, tapas is a mental commitment as well, and not just in observance. So oftentimes when we are Undisciplined in our personal practices, it's because we're getting a little lazy with our thoughts, a little lazy with our mind, and we're letting our mental chatter really take over our experiences. A good example of this one is when you don't want to get on your yoga mat to practice, but sometimes that commitment to just setting up your space and rolling out your mat to then practicing for a full hour or two can. Can seem like a lot and it's very easy to talk yourself out of that commitment. So I tend to trick myself and I say, okay, just do sun salutations. And once I get over that hump, I know that I'm going to move into a full length practice. This is what I have to do to trick my mind when I feel like it's so easy to convince myself to just not get on my mat, and not practice. It's important to see just how easily we can talk ourselves in and out of certain situations, in and out of doing something that we know is good for ourselves, but yet for whatever reason, we just don't want to do it people sometimes forget that yoga is also a discipline. The healing only comes when you're consistent with your action on and off your yoga mat, with you being aware of your thoughts, catching yourself when you're trying to talk yourself in and out of scenarios, stories, worries, All of these little mundane practices that get looked over are really the small habits that are going to make a large change over time. And that's what the practice of tapas truly is. It's continuing to keep that stoke alive for these practices so that you can slowly over time experience the growth and fruits of the practice as they come. And speaking of stoke, this is also an aspect of tapas that is brought up in relation to Agni or that fire of purification. So tapas is often referred to as a fiery discipline. To have tapas, to have that fiery discipline, means that Every day you're getting on your yoga mat, you're moving, you're you're building that internal heat, you're literally stoking that internal fire, that fire of willpower, that fire of discipline that leads to action and change, and that fire, that Agni is referred to as a fire of purification. Not only on a physical level, that Agni in your physical practice helps to remove toxins and energetic blocks from the deep tissues in your body, but it also helps to burn away impurities in your mind. When you're in an asana or a posture and you're getting really aggravated or you're coming across a really intense Thought or emotion in relation to your posture. It's that mental chatter that creates your worries and anxieties coming to the surface. It's that emotion that you're holding on to from past experiences. These are the types of things that can be brought up in your asana practice through the stoking of that inner fire. And it's a good thing when they come up, but it doesn't always feel good in the moment. It means that you're working through something, and eventually there's the potential to come out on the other side. And that's kind of the silver lining that we start to follow without sort of grasping too much onto what that looks like in the end. And all of this, this discipline, this process of change of purification in your body is an aspect of tapas that I've written about on my blog the sincere yogi.com. so I'll add a link below because there's so much to talk about on the topic of tapas and spoiler alert it's one of my personal favorite niyamas to explore But in this scenario of tapas being a discipline, I think it's important to understand that discipline can still come from a space of love. You can still have compassion for yourself and be disciplined. We're not judging ourselves through this purification process because that doesn't help us. We're not being so hard on ourselves that we're leading to more mental anguish or being hard on our bodies and our asana that we're leading to injury. We still have to practice ahimsa. We still have to have that love for ourselves. And this is where tapas becomes sort of that radical act of self-love. It's holding yourself accountable to do those habits that you know are good for you that you might not want to do in the moment, but you'll be happy you did in the end. That aspect of discipline gets so often washed over in our asana practice. And this is something I see all the time as a teacher. Now, of course, in my classes, I always encourage my students to take the class at their pace, to modify or add variations of postures that better suit their body, and to take breaks when they need. But every now and then, someone during class will just go completely rogue. And not doing a posture that makes sense or doing the next level of a posture or adding a variation onto a posture, but I mean completely rogue. Like we're still doing sun salutations and they're already in pigeon and splits for the day and that's where they're going to stay for the next 20 minutes. There's nothing wrong with listening to your body and honoring what your body needs. I'm also referring to repeat offenders who will come in, and I know they're going to warm up with us, but then they're just going to do their own thing with their favorite postures in the middle of class and then cool down with us in the end. If you're not actively challenging yourself to do these things you don't want to do, you're going to stay stuck wherever you are. You can only progress so much if you're not having a well-rounded practice in that sense. Now, I can say this with my own experience of backbending. I put off learning how to backbend for years. I couldn't find a teacher who could explain it to me in a way I understood. My body was tight in my shoulders and my thoracic spine, and I'm always afraid I'm going to tweak my low back and re-injure my SI joint. And in that putting off of learning how to backbend, I only slowed down my progress moving forward. Once I finally found teachers who were able to explain to me in a way that I understood the mechanics of backbending and facilitate that experience through hands-on adjustments and proper guidance in my practice, then I started to find progress. I didn't like learning how to backbend. It was not the most Pleasant process. I still am learning. I still have a love-hate relationship with it, but I continue to move forward with my backbending practice so that I can continue to grow and learn as a student and as a teacher. And listen, I'm not telling you to go to a class and blindly follow whatever your teacher tells you to do. You have You have every right to take your practice at your pace and have every right to modify the postures as you need for your body. But when you take a guided class, there is a level of expectation and understanding that you're there to be and breathe with the rest of class. You're there to learn from your teacher and your fellow students. So even though you might not love every aspect of class, even though you might take a break during some of the postures that you don't quite understand yet, that discipline to showing up and being present for the class rather than going off and doing your own thing is an act is an act of tapas. There's something to be said about sharing space and breathing and being in unison with your fellow classmates. And when you go rogue and do your own thing, not only can it cause a distraction for your fellow classmates and your teachers sometimes, but you're also missing that experience of that collective movement, that unison with your breath, and being present in the moment with those around you. Now I've given a lot of examples of tapas in relation to your asana practice and your personal practice. Now I want to talk more about the qualities of tapas that we can start to embody in our everyday life that will help hold us accountable a little easier the more and more that we start to observe and practice these specific things. So first and foremost, in order to cultivate tapas or discipline on your mat, you have to have some type of dedication. Dedication is that promise that you have to yourself, that promise that you have to your growth, that dedication of your practice, of your growth to something more or beyond yourself. When we incorporate dedication into our practice, it makes holding ourselves accountable that much easier, helping to cultivate a consistent practice of discipline. I know that I am a much better friend, partner, sister, daughter, when I am in alignment with my yoga practice. And so that's what helps me come back to that discipline on those days that I really don't want to. I am dedicated to this practice not only for my own personal growth, but because I see that personal growth affecting so many other facets of my life, including my personal and interpersonal relationships, and that to me is priceless. Another aspect of dedication beyond myself is that dedication to my higher self. That dedication to learning, uncovering, and understanding that true self that not only lies within me, but within every other person as well. So for me, that's what I like to think of when I think of dedication. For somebody who's religious, it might be a dedication to that higher being, that higher power, that supreme consciousness, whatever it is that you call your deity, your God. And it's not just dedication, but it's determination. You are determined to grow. You are determined to uncover, to build a relationship with that supreme being or with yourself. Or to deepen your awareness and relationship with others. Determination is kind of a tricky one because we don't want to, once again, attach so much to an end result, but we do want to be determined in our pursuits, determined in our efforts, and keep that stoke, that fire alive, keep things sort of exciting. So when we can become dedicated to something beyond ourselves, when we can be determined. In our pursuits, it makes that discipline that much easier. And then lastly, of course, we have just sheer willpower. Not to be confused with determination. My distinction with determination and willpower is that determination is usually exciting. There's an element of drive behind it. Willpower is, I really don't want to do this, but I'm doing it anyway, and I'm not going to talk myself out of doing it. You can't convince yourself it's exciting because some things you just can't do that with. And some days you just have to accept that sheer willpower is going to get you through. Willpower is what pulls through in those moments of a really challenging asana when you make yourself take just one more breath, even though your body is shaky and your breath feels labored. You do it because you know you can, and you break through that barrier just a little bit more every time you resort to that willpower when you want to give up. Willpower is where the consistency with those tiny, mundane, sometimes irritating little habits that we don't want to do comes in. Willpower is incredibly powerful in the sense that it has everything to do with the brain and nothing to do with the brain at all. It's the acceptance that your thoughts of, I'm not going to do this, I don't want to do this, I can't do this, don't mean anything, and that you are going to do it regardless of what those thoughts say. So in a way, it's like bypassing the thoughts in your brain, but still obviously using your brain to create that motor function and and put that discipline into action. So nothing to do with the brain, nothing to do with the thoughts, but everything to do with the brain and the physical body in terms of moving forward. Now with that, I'm going to end this podcast episode. I could talk for hours on the topic of tapas, and I guarantee this topic is going to come up time and time again, which is why I'm doing all of these yamas and all of these niyamas in this first season of my podcast because they're so vital to know and understand moving forward. Because every time we talk about the practice of yoga, there's potential that any one of these topics can come up. So with that, I'm going to end this podcast episode. If you would like more information on the practice of tapas and keeping that stoke alive, that inner fire alive, check out my blog post on the I will add the link below. And as always, if you want to practice with me live on Insight Timer, I have a handful of live classes that I offer throughout the week. So I will add that link below as well. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so happy to have you here and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for joining me on the Sincere Yogi Podcast. If you want to deepen your yoga and meditation practice, check out my workshops and masterclasses on the Playbook app or join my guided meditation series on Insight Timer. If you just want to stop by, say hi, and see what's up, you can find me at The Sincere Yogi on Instagram.